Hello, sword people. Welcome to the Sword Guy podcast. This is your host, Dr. Guy Windsor, consulting swordsman, teacher, and writer. Join me for interviews with historical fencing instructors and experts from a wide range of related disciplines as we discuss swords, history, training, and bringing the joy of historical martial arts into our modern lives. Before we get on with the interview with Yale Nathan, I should let you know about my latest book. It's called The Windsor Method, subtitled The Principles of Solo Training. And, well, I'll read you the formal blurb, which begins... The secret behind all great artists is how they practice. The Windsor Method, The Principles of Solo Training, is the self-help book for people who want to add years to their life and life to their years. In this refreshingly straightforward and gentle guide, best-selling author and world-renowned historical swordsmanship instructor Dr. Guy Windsor lays out the fundamental principles behind personal development and excellence in any field. How? by establishing a solid foundation and a step-by-step approach to mechanics and training. This is the Windsor Method. Use it to guide your practice and elevate your skills. Now, obviously, I think it's quite a good book, but what do other people have to say about it? Well, Dr. Andrew Somio, who is an MD, and he's the head coach of Seattle Eskrima. He's a master instructor in Latosa Eskrima, Lonin Longsword League senior instructor and competition coach. And I should also say he's a friend of mine. Well, I sent it to him and my friends are honest with me. And this is what he says. It's a pleasure and a privilege to review Guy Windsor's work on solo practice, working from vast personal experience, understanding of multiple traditions, centuries old, and modern understanding of education, learning, and motivation. He has produced an extremely useful and approachable book on sustainable, healthy practice and its underpinnings. Starting from first principles, Guy takes you through the prerequisites for developing a practice, provides specifics to implement, then addresses barriers, all in a tone which invites and encourages. I wholeheartedly recommend this work to practitioners of any level. And if that doesn't make me blush, I don't know what would. So, the book is coming out on August the 5th, 2021, on all the usual retailers in paperback, hardback, large print editions and the rest. But it is currently available right now as an ebook only at guywindsor.net forward slash solo. So you can skip along and get yourself an ebook there if you wish. Hello, sword people. I'm here today with Yael Nathan, a comic artist. You can find her online at yaeln.com. That's y a e l n.com. So without further ado, yeah, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> So whereabouts in the world are you? Uh, I'm from Israel. I live mm-hmm. in Tel Aviv. Um, I have been in Israel all my life. Um, although my, uh, my father was born and raised in the Philippines. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, which is a little weird because uh, he's a German Jew. <laughs> right. My grandparents left uh, Germany before, uh, just before the Second World War. And, that was lucky. Uh, yeah, because uh, they they didn't really believe that anything will happen, but um, mm-hmm. the, there were no employment opportunities for Jews in Germany at the time. And uh, my grandfather had a friend who said, come to the Philippines, there's lots of work. Wow. So he took a boat, boat ride and uh, came to the Philippines. And uh, they lived there. My father was born and raised there. And um, then he studied... Uh, a little bit in Switzerland and mm-hmm. in Montreal. And uh, so but kind of uh, culturally, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I've been raised on uh, many sorts of cultures and uh, right. mainly consume American and uh, British culture. So uh, I'm uh, less of an Israeli in terms of where, where, um, where my influences are. Right. Yeah, I... I... Yeah, I came across your work when I saw your um, your Warrior Women series. Mm-hmm. I think you posted some individual images on, on Twitter, so I then went and found the PDF, mm-hmm. which I will link to in the show notes so everyone can go and buy it. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's extremely diverse. Yeah. And you have these women with all sorts of different shapes and sizes and, um, all, 
And of course, the thing that caught my eye is lots of different kinds of swords and weapons. And <laughs> so I thought, ah, ah, okay, this, this is a, this is a sword person. We should definitely get her on the show. But it's uh, uh, it's really uh, flattering that you're calling me a sword person because my, you know, I just like the visuals of them, and uh, right. uh, oh, I I always find that drawing somebody without a sword is is less, you know, it's just less. <laughs> it's much better I, to draw somebody with a sword than without a sword. I, <laughs> well, I completely agree, <laughs> and and it's of course, you know, it's much better to have a sword than not have a sword. So right. it works in real life too. And uh, um, two, if possible, maybe more. And other weapons, if we can add them, like, you know, uh, uh, a bow, uh, an arrows, daggers, whatever axes. I can fit in. <laughs> yeah, whatever I can fit in is good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so I think you're best known as a comic book artist, a comic book artist with work like EL Comics Midnight Radio with mm-hmm. Ehud Lavsky. Is okay. Ehud Lavsky where the EL comes from? Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. So okay. And you have this webcomic Serpent on tapas.io. Right. Um, which is fascinating. This, this, this assassin and, yeah. So why, why don't you tell us a little bit about Serpent? Because I was just actually reading it this morning. Okay. Well, Serpent is a, is a comic book of mine that I started writing 10 years ago. When I was uh, working for Samsung, the multi, you know, the gigantic corporation, I, yeah. I was an art director there uh, at uh, Samsung's um, development uh, facility here in, uh, in Israel. And uh, it was very hard work and uh, a lot of travel. And so I wrote a book about this assassin. And... Um, I started turning it into, into a comics, but I don't think that I was good enough at the time, so I mm-hmm. kind of put it aside. And I came back to it this year and uh, changed things around. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's, um, it's kind of all of the things I love. It's, uh, it's uh, powerful women, which are, you know, the, the morality is uh, questionable. You know, they're not <laughs> yeah. really good or bad. They're yeah. sometimes good, they're sometimes bad. Uh, hopefully, their you know motives are clear and uh, that makes them relatable. And uh, a lot of weapons. Later on in the series, we'll get to uh, the the assassins' training in the assassins' school, which is kind of. I, like, I that's the bit I'm looking forward to because <laughs> I I love the training montage stuff. Exactly. You know, so that's gonna absolutely. be a whole you know almost a, an entire book of that. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. And um, yeah, so we're we're I'm kind of sort of I'm telling the, her story uh, throughout the years um, through the lens of her being in prison in her in the animal land and. Uh, everything that will come from there and how she's going to save her homeland eventually. So it's a, it's, it's a very, it's a long story. The, the book itself is 700 pages in wow. not, not very good English. Cause I, uh, I'm not a writer, <laughs> you know, I can, I can do text bubbles and comics. So you're a particular kind of writer, but to be honest, most people don't have the writerly chops to even produce a 700-page book. So I, I don't think you're doing too badly on the writing front. It's, a, you know, it, I had a lot of spare time and flights mm-hmm. to Korea, <laughs> 12-hour flights to Korea. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so hang on. So you were working as an art director for Samsung. Now, I'm actually, uh, you know, we've got this video thing going. Um, right. Don't, don't worry, nothing, the video's not being recorded, so okay. the visuals don't actually matter, but okay. it's, it's nice to be able to interact yeah. You know, we get to see each other. And I wave my hands a lot. No one understands a word I'm saying if they can't see my hands. Uh, <laughs> but I'm actually, I'm actually like, my monitor is a Samsung, which I just realized when you said Samsung. I thought, okay. oh, hang on, that's familiar. <laughs> um, so I'm just curious, what does, what does Samsung need an art director for? Well, uh, how I came to be art director at Samsung is when I was, um, I was always into computers when, mm-hmm. like, from a, when I was eight years old, my mom brought home a computer for my brother, my older brother, mm-hmm. and he didn't look at it, and I was like fascinated. It was like a Apple IIc, and I couldn't stop messing around with it. But I'm I'm not on the programming side. I always lo- loved, you know, the drawing on it and doing. Yeah. All. So in school, in high school, we had a young entrepreneurs club, 
and mm -hmm. uh, they needed somebody to do their graphics for them. And I knew computers. So, I, <laughs> you know, at that time, it was like 94, 95, there weren't mm -hmm. a lot of people who could do icons, you know, something pretty right. rare at the time. So I kind of, I knew how to do that, so, and I helped them. And um, then I went off to art school and studied animation for four years. And I, uh, straight out of art school, I went to um, an American film studio that opened uh, in Israel. And they wanted to do full feature-length feature films, which, um, which was very ambitious. And they hired every animator and uh, an art person in Israel. Fantastic. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, uh, but they didn't have a script yet. So we were all just sitting in there around, you know, not doing much. And then they closed after a year. And like 200 animators all came out to the market together oh, searching <laughs> for jobs, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, so I uh, decided to kind of pivot and, uh, and search in high tech instead. Mm -hmm. And um, Samsung at the time in Israel, it started as um, their... Um, um, research and development uh, branch here started as a project of two guys in university who did sort of um, gen I don't, they don't really know how to describe it they wanted to do like a living animal within a phone these are second sec 2G phones with the buttons and everything yeah. and hardly any computing power you know <laughs> yeah but they wanted like a, like a Tamagotchi sort of thing yeah, but much more uh, advanced. Sophisticated, yeah. Yeah, something that, you know, will reproduce and will have, uh, right. uh, like, a genetic model behind it. and so it, it was very ambitious. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, they needed animators. Um, so I started out as a mm -hmm. 3D animator there and um, did very limited animation on 2G phones. And then uh, after a while, they helped me and uh, Samsung trained me to become more of a UX, UI person, which is a, a you, you, um, user, user interface, user, interface yeah. user experience person. Um, and I became the art director there, uh, which is a weird title at the time. But, but you know, it was such a weird, uh, weird place at the time. It was not really Samsung. I mean, because it started up as a, as the, a project of two people and kind of grew from there, it became... Mm -hmm. It was very interesting. We d we did a lot of projects that were showcasing technology that Samsung could uh, do on its phones at the time, um, using uh, augmented reality and and uh, all wow. sorts of things that were very innovative at then, but mm. you know now are kind of commonplace. Um, yeah, so it was uh, <laughs> it was I, I did that, and then I did a lot of uh, interfaces for games um, because most of the technology. When they first come up with an, with an idea, the, there is no actual use for it. They mostly use, we mostly suggested games because that's the thick first thing that came to mind. So we did a lot of games there. And uh, that's why they needed an art director. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. So, so did, did the sort of pet inside your phone thing ever actually come to market? Did it take off? Uh, it, it evolved and became something which is called My Pet, which was pretty big in Korea. Um, mm -hmm. Samsung had a lot. I don't know if you remember, but um, when before iPhone and Android, uh, there weren't yeah. any, uh, um, uh, uh, what do you call them? Um, iOS, um, um, yeah. operating systems for, for phones. Each phone right. had to be built from, from scratch. I mean... Everything, everything on it, the part, everything, the whole uh, hardware and software had to be built for the phone for that specific line of phones oh, uh, right, each okay. time. Yeah, uh, so there was no no way to take a piece of code that you wrote for one line of phones and move it mm -hmm. easily to another. It wasn't an app that you can just download or something. And there was no um, there was no um, uh, app store, of course. Sure. So. Uh, my pet, which was kind of a Tamagotchi, uh, you had like seven types of very fancy dogs, um, mm -hmm. dog breeds, um, all purebred, of course, because uh, in Korea they don't really like mutts. So, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, um, you could choose your uh, your dog and kind of interact with it. 
It was 3D, was very impressive for, for, for the time and big in, in Korea because it was on Samsung phones. And now it's right. gone forever because it's, uh, <laughs> those phones are gone forever. I mean, um, sure. Yeah. Well, what period are we talking about? So when, when would this been out? Like early 2000s? Uh, 2004, I think. Four, maybe six. Because I seem to, I had a Samsung flip phone okay. in like 2004, 2005. Yep. Um, it was great. It was much better than the Nokia I replaced it with. <laughs> um, and yeah, it had, it, it had something, I don't really play games on my phone, but it had something like that on it. Yep. Um, wow. I, I, had, <laughs> I had no idea that was you. Oh, I just thought you were, you were the... Samsung, <laughs> Samsung is like 300, 350,000 employees worldwide you know it's not me it's <laughs> a <very laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. small part of it <laughs> but 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 you were you know, involved in, in yeah so i guess you, you were like producing the actual animations that made these yep. pets behave yeah exactly appear on the screen mm-hmm. huh okay and you've done some work for idea and design work star wars comics which also by the way makes you um sword world royalty because <laughs> we are we are all completely obsessed with Star Wars and Jedi's and right. I should say here that actually my main claim to fame is in 2006 mm-hmm. in Singapore I taught a seminar for the animators who were wo- working on the Clone Wars series wow right so a long short seminar and at the end of that day's class they got out the lightsabers and oh. asked me to advise them on okay well we've got a character who holds the lightsaber like this how would this meet that and how would you how would they fight each other and so you know which that's like one day, right? That Amazing. Was, that was my, my total, my total uh, involvement there. And, but, you know, if, if I am like teaching the animators who are creating the Jedi, that obviously makes me a Jedi master. Of course. Obviously. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, and so you're, you're doing something similar. So you're, you're producing like canonical Star Wars stuff. So you yeah. have to tell us all about that starting at the beginning, please. Okay, so I uh, I did the warriors, women warrior uh, mm-hmm. illustrations and put them on Twitter. I didn't really, really have a following on Twitter. I, I've been there for like mm-hmm. 10 years because I've been on the internet, but not sure. actively on Twitter and not really publishing anything. Um, but um, I, I put them on my Facebook where I, there, there I have mostly friends, so it's... Uh, I put them on Facebook and they became pretty popular. So I thought, maybe I'll try and put them on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. And they, uh, they became very viral. Um, and kind of, every time I posted a new series of Warriors, they, mm-hmm. uh, they, they spread out and they became mostly popular with um, D&D and role-playing game people. Which, right. uh, which a lot of, what I really loved is seeing a lot of, mostly women, but also a lot of men, uh, telling me that it's so refreshing for them to see something which isn't like the typical warrior. Uh, yeah, in, the Conan thing or, or the She-Ra thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, in terms, also in terms of their dress, mm-hmm. meaning they're... Um, I, I'm, I, I'm not historical, historically accurate. I don't really know. I'm not a researcher. I mm-hmm. just know what I like visually. If it's if right. it, it's good, it looks good. I like it and I draw it. You know, um, but um, I do like to to make things look functional. And I wish right. I had somebody like you who'd say, who'd tell me, you know, no, you can't hold a sword like that. Or because uh, I have the uh, I have I have one uh, drawing that I I drew the handle. Is that mm-hmm. called the handle of a sword? Yeah. I drew it flipped the wrong way round. I- yeah, and I spotted just, that. I'm, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm killing myself over it. I, wanna, I, I, I wasn't going to mention it, but I did spot that. <laughs> no, I, you know, functionality is very important to me. I'm, I, I like to uh, over-explain things. It's kind of, uh, you know, I'm working on it. I want to simplify things. So I, Okay, well, anytime you're working on anything related to a sword, if yeah. you want to send it my way for a kind of reality check, I am happy to oblige. Wow, I'd love that, yeah. Please do. Wow, great, thank you. Um... So I put the war- uh, warrior women online, and I had one with a, a dinosaur that I did for... Mm, uh, yes! Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, with, with that kind of that bony ridge on its head. Right. The, yeah. I, I don't remember the name of that dinosaur, but uh, never Me mind. Me neither. And, my my uh, nephew would know. 
because my nephew knows everything about dinosaurs. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like in a certain age, everybody knows everything about dinosaurs, then you forget. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty much. Um, so I put that online and uh, on Twitter, and um, one of the people who saw it was an editor for IDW, uh, who, okay. who's a, a young woman called uh, Riley Farmer, and um, she's big into dinosaurs. And uh, okay. she asked me if I would like to maybe do something for Star Wars. And I wow. said, wow, yeah, of course, you know, it's Star Wars. I grew up on it. I, I love it. So definitely. So I did a little test for them, which uh, involves uh, drawing several of their characters in different poses and seeing if I can actually, you know, match the likeness and things like mm -hmm. that. And, uh, and they said, go ahead. And um, then I was, I was supposed to work on a, a, a little comic, uh, eight pages, and, um, but the script was delayed. So we started with a, with cover, with a cover, and I did mm -hmm. several versions of that. And um, finished that, the script arrived, I loved it. It's, um, it I worked with the writer Jordan, Jordan Clark, and I really loved his storytelling and the fact, and I think the, um, also um, Riley, the editor's uh, choice of story here for me uh, was really amazing because it's a little, it's a little romantic. It's something mm -hmm. which, it's, it's more of a human story. I mean, I, um, I like action and I'm... Um, uh, I, I, you know, I can, I can do maybe big scenes and stuff like that, but I, I am, sure. I love drawing actual emotions and people connecting and mm. something which is, it has more of a human element. That's also what I have with Ehud, uh, the writer that I, I work with currently, uh, ongoing. He writes very, uh, very human connected stories. So uh, I did a, a comic, the, the comic that uh, Jordan wrote, and um, which is uh, the story of um, Beckett and uh, and Rio and Val, the the characters from uh, Solo. Uh, mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, which uh, it's I guess it's canonical. I I have I I don't know if I I made <laughs> things up. I mean I. They, they yeah, had, but if, if it has the Star Wars logo on it, and right. it's authorized by the owners of the IP, yeah. and it's published, it is by definition canonical. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you, yes, you're, you're one of the writers of Star Wars canon now. <laughs> no, I, 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 <laughs> the only thing I added is uh, we had, I had, how they, they work, um, and I, every writer is different. Some people, when they write, when you write a comic script, um, you, you generally, you say, Here's a page. There are these this many panels in the page, and hmm. what happens in each panel? Some writers will go into details and will tell you, um, "This is I want this panel from this angle, and the hmm. character should be like this, and this is the the emotion that should come out." But some writers, like Jordan, are just it's very straightforward. He just uh, uh, generally describes what happens in the panel and the text that comes with it, and hmm. That's it. So I have total control on the on the direction yep. and and uh, what the characters are emoting. So uh, um, I have, <laughs> and there, it's a, it's a short story. They're only eight pages, but they they have there's a a gang of, uh, of bad guys here mm -hmm. and the spaceship, which are I didn't have reference to. They said you know make something up. Okay. So uh, uh, I I. You know, a gang, okay, I made some bad guys, um, which was fun. Uh, but I'm not extremely good with the um, vehicles and technical, you know, stuff. Right. So uh, uh, I, I used one of the, uh, the, the spaceships. Uh, initially, I used one of the spaceships from Star Wars. And I thought, yeah, what, what, what's the big deal? What, I'll, I'll use yeah. something that already exists. And all the, all the editors that review the, the, the pages before, before, when I submit them were like, what is that spaceship doing there? It shouldn't be there. It's not the right time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, you got the period wrong. Okay. Yeah, it's like... Uh, ah. hasn't been invented yet. It's like putting a Rolex on a Viking. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what, how did you notice? It's such a small thing inside this right. thing. Yeah. So I had... But to... some, some people are all about the tech. Yeah. Some people, like, they, they really care about the, the kind of the timeline of the tech. Mm -hmm. and, and others are more concerned with, you know, things like actual story and characters and yeah. 
that sort of thing. So. But, but I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, if you're an editor there, you have to be, you yeah. could notice every one of those details because otherwise, you know, people will be on yeah, you immediately. Yeah, because there are readers like that and you have, yeah. to, you have to get it right for them too. So, yeah, exactly. fair enough. Okay. So I made, I made up a ship, which is now a Star Wars ship. And it's so weird for me. Like, you know, I, I made a, a spaceship that exists in the Star Wars universe. And I don't even know how to draw spaceships. You know, it's like, I took a picture. Well, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if that ends up in one of the movies or TV series and then they make a model of it and you can actually have a model of the ship that you drew? Yeah. That would be, be fantastic. Definitely, yeah. It might make it easier to draw it again from different angles if, you know. Yeah. Because I only used one because I can't draw ships. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so who are your favorite Star Wars characters to draw? Um, well, I uh, go, going back to swords. Okay, of course. Always I, uh, back to swords. Yeah. Uh, I always loved Indiana Jones. So Han oh! Solo. Sorry, I have to show you something. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. This jacket. Whoa! And this the whip. jacket. Yeah, this jacket comes from West Leather, and it is the Raiders jacket designed by Peter Botwright. It's from the same, the same factory, made by the same people who did the ones for the movies. Wow! And of course, yeah. so I, I, I imprinted on Indiana Jones when I was about nine years old, and I yeah. just never got over it. But now I'm a grown up, I can actually afford to buy proper bull whips, not make That's them out of string. Amazing. <laughs> I had um, the, the crap. Bull whips, you know, that you buy in the market, yeah. the little ones. Yeah, yeah. And I used to, I, I wanted to be Indiana Jones, so I, I used to train with them and kill mosquitoes. Wow, that's yeah. pretty accurate. Now, uh, now, yeah, but they left marks on the walls. <laughs> which my parents didn't like. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I really loved Indiana Jones, and uh, so I liked Han Solo. You know, I liked his... Mm-hmm. His yeah, attitude. it's the same kind of character. Yeah, but uh, sadly, as Han Solo, he didn't have a sword, which was... Yeah, true. Yeah, There's, which was... You know, no, 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 Indiana Jones doesn't have a sword either. He has a pistol. Yeah. Well, a, a revolver. But he has a whip, which, is, which you know, He has a bullet, which is kind of like a sword. Yeah, compass. In that you hold... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do get the relationship. That's not actually facetious. There is a kind of relationship between a sword and a bullwhip, and I don't really understand what it is. But it's maybe it's something about being able to just reach out and do stuff far away from you. Right. Right. And But you don't have to reload. It's not like a bow where you have to reload. You can, yeah. Yeah. And anyway, we're cracking a bullwhip. It's like, it's, like, it's like shooting a gun, only you never have to reload because you just charge, you know, the, the movement of the whip charges yep. it up. So. And also, you know, visually, it's just such a cool thing to see. Right. And it, the, the, the entire, the, the way the body moves and you have to... Yeah. hold yourself and it just m- makes for if you're looking at characters it makes for a very interesting character to look at sure. so yeah so Han Solo was my uh, favorite character I, I didn't draw him that much I think I I did more when I was younger sort of uh, because I had a little crush on him but the <laughs> <laughs> other than that as a, as a character less I mean, sure yeah. I, I, yeah it would be just I mean, he, he, he's all about the blaster, yeah. Han Solo, and, mm-hmm. and, and the Falcon, of course. Yeah. So it would be a bit weird to have him with a sword. No. They could, have, they, could have, they could have given him a big knife, though. Yeah, that worked. So, that, that, so, that, that worked. So, yeah, something practical. Because swords are a little impractical if you're not actually going to be... They don't really work well as tools, generally. Some of the shorter ones, but, yeah. but they really only have that kind of one function. Yeah, I can like, see him, you know, doing that uh, crocodile dandy thing. You call that a oh, thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. And though, you know, you know, in the Princess Bride, when um, Wes, you have seen the Princess Bride, right? Of course, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, good. Um, <laughs> when Wesley and Buttercup are going through the fast one, and he's using his rapier to kind of hack through the jungle, it's yeah. like, oh no, no, you shouldn't use a rapier like that. That's that, <laughs> that, that's, that's that's not that's not what a rapier is for. What would he break it? <laughs> I mean, if it's, uh... it's very unlikely he'd break it, but it, it's it's not optimized for slicing through lianas. I mean, you you can cut with it, and you okay. can and you can do significant damage with a cut. But the the uh, blade geometry is such that 
it's a long, it's quite thick, mm -hmm. but it's quite narrow. Okay. And it's thick to make it relatively rigid, and it's narrow to make it a really good thrusting weapon. Mm -hmm. But that comes at the cost of it. It doesn't really slice. It right. will cut, but it's not going to slice through things the way a machete would. Right. For instance. So, you know, if you think of a machete, it's got this wide, flat blade, mm -hmm. which is quite thin. Yeah. Um, so it goes, it, it, it splits through things quite easily, whereas right. the rapier will tend to get stuck. Um, yeah, right. Now I've said that, and there's going to be a whole bunch of people going. Guy says you can't cut with the rapier. Well, of course you can cut. You can cut with the rapier. It's just not as good at it yeah. <laughs> as as it as as for example a machete. So there we go. You know, I, I told you my, my father was from the Philippines. So uh -huh. when uh, my grandfather was 80, my father and his brother bought him a Chris sword. Oh, uh, lovely. Yeah, that's. It's, first of all, it's such a beautiful sword. It's, I, I, mm -hmm. I really wanted to draw it for one of the characters, but it's when it's in the sheath, you don't see the... The waviness. You know, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm kind of still... And besides, it's kind of, it kind of means something to me, so I was waiting for the right, the right character and it didn't do it right. yet. Yeah, but I really I love it. Is that good for slicing through the jungle? I'm guessing that... Uh, I wouldn't use a Chris for slicing through the jungle. No? Um, because... If, if it's the kind of Chris that I'm thinking of, it has quite a slim, wavy blade that widens out considerably at the hilt. No, it, that, uh, it, it, it has like the, the end of it. I'll send yeah. you a picture. But the, okay. the end of it widens, but the, the rest is mm -hmm. kind of straight and just wavy. Sure. Um, so it, and it widens close to the handle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Usually, the tang... Um, which kind of sticks the blade into the handle, right? Is is usually very slim, mm. and I think if you used it for like hacking through the jungle, if you accidentally whacked it against a tree, you might break it. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not an expert on that um, area of weaponry, but that's that's been my impression. I would. Oh, it's, sorry, my it's, dog is that's barking right. here. <laughs> okay, they're coming. Uh, the dog walkers come to take her, so she might make a little noise. Ah, uh, that's all right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's designed for like stabbing people okay. and for slice, slicing through muscle, basically. So it's, yeah, I would, I wouldn't risk, if I had a nice one, I wouldn't risk it on, you know, clearing brush, but I do have like a, a European hanger, which I do actually use for clearing weeds in the garden sometimes. Wow. It's good cutting practice. Okay. That that's uh, a specific one. I don't. Maybe it's just decorative, but it has like a ivory handle, which is oh, lovely. Which is kind of short. It's just one hand, mm -hmm. but but a very small hand, like for right. for somebody very small. And the 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 part that widens is sort of the guard of the sword. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. I'll, I'll send you and a picture it's, because it's a nice about sword. This long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a I don't know sixty centimeters or so, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Couple of feet. So that's actually quite a long one. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes, definitely send me a picture. We'll put it in the show notes for those <laughs> those <Great>. listening. <laughs> um, okay. Now we, we've we've talked a little bit about your warrior women mm -hmm. um, PDF, and there will be a link to it in the show notes. People can go and go and find out about it. Um, but I do have to ask, what's with the duck? <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, um... Apart from uh, you know interesting characters and uh, and the, a lot of you know interesting clothes and stuff, mm -hmm. I always loved animals. When I was younger, I wanted to be a vet, but then I I uh, figured oh, my out my dad's a vet. Oh yeah, yeah. For big animals or um, well, he's he's done all sorts of animals. Um, he worked in Kenya in the sixties and, oh. and was doing he's doing mostly agricultural stuff. Okay, so. Uh, cows and goats and what have you right. um, as part of projects in places like Kenya and Uganda and Peru and whatever. So basically to improve agriculture so that poor people can eat more. Oh, um, yeah. But while he's there, of course, he's also been doing work on like the local wildlife right. or for zoos and, and what have you. So like lions and cheetahs and wow. <laughs> Rhino and amazing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, he did all of that. 
Um, yeah. we, have, we have some great pictures at home. Wow, that's yeah. I you know, I loved animals. It was I I had a the main thing I drew when I was younger was animals. I had a book, mm -hmm. animal illustrations, and I copied all of it several mm -hmm. times over. And um, and uh, so I uh, um, I always like to incorporate. I, not always, but I sometimes like to incorporate animals with with my words or illustrations because I think, mm -hmm. first of all, they bring a lot of character with them, and they're always there's a lot of uh, emotion that can come from from an animal, and a lot sure. of time humor, because yeah, you know they're they're there. They're funny. They're, yeah, they're funny. They're not they're not necessarily they they don't know what they're doing there. They're sort of. Mm -hmm. And their interactions with the with the human characters can be, you know, something to play play against, which is, uh, yeah. So I uh, I saw those ducks, those uh, the crested ducks or something that have like a an afro of feathers, yes. <laughs> which and I thought it was just amazing. It's just such a weird looking thing. And then I thought uh, that I'll have a character holding it, holding one of them. When I was working on it, my like internal logic for the thing was like, she makes uh, the arrows for and, and you know she makes the so she uses the duck for the arrows. Maybe <laughs> I don't know if, yeah. if that's something that people do, but you know maybe. So that that's why she's carrying a duck. She's gonna pluck some feathers and use them. <laughs> for, yeah. So so do your do these warrior women characters. In your head, do they have like names and stories attached to them? Not really. I, I don't really work like that. I have more of a like a general idea of what they're about. Right. More like ah, uh, she she sort of does this, or she works or lives there. N mm -hmm. Nothing more uh, more concrete than that. But. Uh, um, now in, in, I, I'm trying to incorporate some of these characters into my comic book, into into my into my web comic, uh, Serpent. Right. Which uh, they're mostly side characters because the, the main ones are uh, I didn't draw them. They're they're like they're I already have them. I know how they look, so I they're not right. a part of this uh, Warrior Women series. So uh, I'm sort of adding more of a. Of a backstory and some of, for some of these characters when I'm incorporating them into the webcomic, but other than that, not not really. Yeah. So they they just like, they're just themselves, just on the page, and that's that. Yeah, I usually okay. I usually start out with a I see a pose that I like, mm -hmm. something that ex it's usually something that expresses you know something. Uh, it it yeah. could be curiosity or uh, power or and I take that pose and I start that off as a reference, and I'll build on top of that. And I have the I have a one with a like a woman with long hair, talking like looking at a very big Irish wolfhound that is yes. carrying two little dachshunds in bags. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, that started out. I wanted her to look at a at a quokka. You know, quokka is like it's an Australian. Quokka. It's an Australian animal, which is like the most photographed selfie animal, like in the okay. last couple of years, because it has like an amazing smile. It always it looks like a little teddy teddy bear that constantly okay. smiles. And I have, um, I think that it's on my Facebook. I have uh, like a ta time lapse of me drawing, and you can see me trying to make this quokka work there, <laughs> and then <laughs> not figuring it out, and and saying, okay, I'll do. Because I always wanted an Irish wolfhound, I'll do an Irish wolfhound. Instead? Yeah, instead. Ah, well, they're pretty much the same thing. Yeah, that's a... Of <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, so, actually, I tried to commission some art from you. Yeah. Um, and you have too many other projects on, which is great, because it means, uh, you know, there's more art coming, which is always good. But... Uh, how do you choose your projects and what are you working on that's keeping you so busy that you can't even take commissions? Um, Not even from swords people. Right. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> that's all right. Um, well, I'm, 
currently working on a on a graphic novel with Ehud. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ehud has been we've been friends for like 25 years, which is oh my god, I'm so old. Um, and uh, um, he has been working towards being a Hollywood writer, a script writer for for the entire length of time that I know him. Like since he was mm-hmm. 16, I think he started writing scripts, sending them over and slowly but surely, you know, he got an agent, he's, a, he's got um, representation there, and now uh, his, uh, his movie is coming out on Netflix and in theaters um, J- uh, July 15th. It's called Gunpowder. Really? Yeah, amazing. Really? Uh, so what's it called? What's it called? It's called Gunpowder Milkshake. Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. Okay. He wrote, uh, he wrote it with a guy called mm-hmm. Navot. Papa Shadow, I think that's his last name, which is an ama- he, he directed it in the vote. He's an amazing mm-hmm. director. It's uh, it's also about female assassins. Oh, Weird. fantastic! Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely watching that. And it's such a, a fun, uh, amazing, you know, action-packed, really fun movie. Um, yeah. So I've been working with the Hood for a really long time, and he has something. Um, his writing is. Very relatable, and as a comic writer, he always knows how, like, his first few frames always catch people. You know, the, we put uh, Midnight Radio, which was our first comic book online, uh, com- comic story online, um, six years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. It, we, we did it for, like, a magazine, and then they, uh, the magazine never came out, so we said, okay, we'll put it online, and... It got half a million views on its first day. Jesus. You know, and we came out of nowhere. We, we had no that? following. We just, on, on, on Imgur, the, the uh, mm-hmm. image, waiting, uh, image um, sharing site, yep. we put yep. it online and it made it, you know, weird. Wow. So we didn't know what to do with that. We said, yay, fun, let's do another. Uh, yep. We did the next one. It got it. Uh, uh, I was working at the time. In a, a game company, uh, mm-hmm. I stayed in high tech. And um, we, the second one we put out uh, was uh, was even bigger. And then the third one we put out was the biggest, with you know millions of views. And then uh, uh, we put them out on Board Panda. It, it got like twenty million views, which is Jeez. yeah. But we were idiots. We didn't, you know, we did nothing with it. We we didn't know that we we're supposed to. <laughs> Collect people into like a page and oh maybe, no yeah. oh my so so you didn't actually you didn't actually make like several million dollars out of that you no. just no wow some okay. people you know if some if if the people who saw the comic knew that we were behind it that was a bonus <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> oh my goodness yeah it was just we put it online became part of the internet you know the lore mm-hmm. of the internet and that's it. So we've been making comics ever since, uh, very slowly. Uh, Ehud is writing uh, for, you know, for Hollywood and uh, making projects. So mm-hmm. when he has time, he writes and I draw. And um, uh, I, left, um, I left high tech a few years ago to, decide, uh, to do this full time. Right. Uh, so I'm slowly eating my savings <laughs> and doing comics. <laughs> So now we're doing a graphic novel, and um, um, hopefully we will o- also um, make maybe make a movie out of it one day. We're not everything is very. We Ehud has been um, in Hollywood for so many years and had so many projects that I you know I've seen the arc of things yeah. so many times where you they're interested. They even make an offer, and then it fades out. And it, yep. the, the, the chance of something happening is so low <laughs> that it's amazing to me that his movie uh, was made, and it's coming out, and I'm really happy for him. And I'm, you know, if something else happens from now on, that's amazing. But we're doing the graphic novel um, to, for, for ourselves, one thing, and for the fans that we do have followers mm-hmm. now in EL Comics, and uh, um, I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll enjoy uh, Hood's writing and uh, this graphic novel. 
And uh, so I'm doing this in the meantime and doing my webcomic. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's why I, I and I'm trying <laughs> to do that yeah. before my savings run out. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe when we're done recording, we should have a chat about how to actually make money from people who like your work. Amazing. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I live off my online courses and books. Mostly. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, we do so have, uh, we do have the, our little store that does mm -hmm. uh, make some money. And we did do a Kickstarter that did bring in some money. But it's, uh, you know, we, for the Kickstarter that we, uh, we did, we made a, a book of all the, um, all our uh, uh, short comics. And mm -hmm. we made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> we did like the fanciest book we could. Right. Like, okay. It's an amazing product. It's gorgeous to look at. It cost us. It cost us an arm and a leg, and then yeah. a lot of costs that we had, you know, no idea that were coming because we never did this before. Like shipping two tons to yeah. places, and you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I crowdfunded a card game uh, okay. about six six years ago, mm -hmm. and it raised about fifty two thousand euros no, for a, for a very niche card game. Oh, yeah, okay. But absolutely none of that money was income. It yeah. was all expenses. Right. The, the graphic designer, the game designer, the printing, the shipping. Exactly. All, all of that stuff, plus the platform fees, because, you yeah. know, the crowdfunding campaigns mm -hmm. platform, they take the fees. And, and there's the, the money transfer fees. And, yeah. you know, it's like fees and fees and fees and costs and costs and costs. And yeah, we, I mean, absolutely no money. It doesn't matter because, you know, I've got the game and yeah. that's what I wanted. And... That's fine, but yeah, it is. If if you're not careful, the the expenses just just completely outstrip any any money yeah. you're going to make. Yeah. yeah so what's the name of that book? Midnight Radio. Oh, so that that's the Midnight Radio book. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, we we do have them uh, online in our store. Yeah, yeah. You can buy them. Um, we, uh, you know, I, I I'm. It was such a hard experience that kickstarter thing it's uh yeah it's not something i think i would do again but um but the, yeah like you said you had the game you have the game we have the book which was yeah. which is nice you know so a yeah. physical product and is is nice physical physical products are hard yeah because there are all there's these fixed costs every time you sell one you incur costs exactly Dig digital is so much easier right i mean right now i'm producing an audio book um, this is this is like the nichiest niche project you can, you can imagine. In 1599, a guy called George Silver wrote a book called Paradoxes of Defense about how terrible Italian rapier fencing is and how wonderful proper traditional English martial arts are, <laughs> okay. right? And of course, you no, know, the English all ignored him and they they all switched over to all the English gentlemen went to rapiers and you know Silver was a voice howling in the wilderness. Um, but so I've, I'm. I've had it produced as an audio book in both modern pronunciation and also got a an original pronunciation actor called Ben Crystal who who knows all about how the, how the words were actually pronounced in the 16th century. Wow. And he he's done an original pronunciation read of it. Amazing. And you know with the campaign is is live at the moment. Um it'll be over by the time this this podcast comes out, but the thing is it's it's done fine. Mm -hmm. For a tiny, I mean, it's the nichiest niche thing you can imagine, right? It doesn't right. get any nichier than an original pronunciation of a fairly obscure fencing book from yeah. the 16th century, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but it's made back its costs. Amazing. So now this 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 cool thing is in the world, mm -hmm. and it I didn't have to, you know, sell my children's birthright to to get it there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's just the enough interest. Um, yeah, the, the internet. Satisfying. You know, I think you'll find no matter what you do, you'll have if you're good at something. There are other people who are interested in what you do, and yeah, yeah. And these days, it can be really, really obscure, and you can yeah. still find enough people in the whole world yeah. to to have a community around it. Yeah. Whereas if you were confined to maybe just like your hometown or even your home country, there just aren't enough people there for that tiny minority to get into enough actual individual bodies to get together and form some actual kind of community. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't know where we'd be without the internet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I remember back in the days, like in about 1997, mm-hmm. when we found out that there were people in America doing this sword fighting stuff that we like. And there's actually more than two of them. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, uh, my last question, and I ask all my guests this. Okay. What is the best idea you haven't acted on? Ooh. Um, moving abroad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been living in Israel my entire life, but I am um, mm-hmm. uh, not culturally. I'm not. I mean, I have grown grown up on some Israeli culture, and uh, there are things here that I love. And I, my, my family, my friends, everything is here. My husband, but uh, sure. But um, I I do you know dream of Ireland or. <laughs> uh, my wife is Irish. Really? Ireland's, yeah, yeah, Ireland's a great place. It's like, you know, all those green places, mm-hmm. every time, because my father also learned, uh, studied in, uh, in Switzerland, we used to go mm-hmm. there every year, and it's just the, 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 the surroundings, like the, the mountains and snow and weather, which isn't terribly hot eight months <laughs> of the year, and, uh, you know, where okay. I, I'm just really, I want different uh, experiences. Which you know, I'm not. I'm not a spring chicken. I'm uh, I'm 43 now, and I'm uh, getting up and leaving is not. Uh, it sort of becomes harder with age. But I've been thinking about it for years, and um, I haven't act- acted on it. But I'm gonna say yet. So yet. Okay, yeah. fair enough. So Ireland, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. And it's a bit of Ireland. I mean, you must have visited Ireland. No, no, I haven't. Okay. I have, I have, you know, been to the to the UK, mainly London, but uh, mm-hmm. no, I haven't been. I want, I want to go to Ireland and Scotland, maybe this year. Hopefully, now that you can travel, uh, we I, in Israel we can travel again. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what the restrictions are uh, in this. Hon- the honestly, UK. the way the British government is running these things, I don't think anybody knows <laughs> what the restrictions right. are. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to change along with Boris Johnson's hair. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's also, uh, I'm, I have a European citizenship, but uh, um, living in Ireland, I mean, par- parts of, now with Brexit, I don't know if I can live in the UK. So it's uh, sort of... But hang on, Israel's not part of the EU, so no. you shouldn't have any, any issue there. my grandfather, who's... Uh, oh, right. So you have, what, German. Uh, German? So you have a German, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes life a bit trickier. Ireland's no problem, but Britain, there's probably a whole bunch of paperwork you'd have to, to go through. Right. Because, yes, I, was, yeah, I voted against it. I literally made sure that when we moved to Britain, I moved in time to be able to show up to a polling place and vote <laughs> against it in person. But still, yes, the morons got where, their where way. Where did you move, uh, move from? I, I lived in Finland for 15 wow. years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Finland's great. You should definitely visit Finland. I mean, it's if you like snow and you like trees. Yeah. Finland is mostly snow and trees. Yeah. And rocks and it's lakes. It's also it's on my list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You should definitely go. Um, so, you like to actually like live outside Israel yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. I that's my favorite way to travel. Really, I like to go to different. Like um, in 2015, my family and I we went to. Italy for three months, mm-hmm. which is it's enough time that you're you're sort of you get a feeling of what it's like to actually you're not just like staying in a hotel and yeah. and going to the tourist attraction you're actually like you know you're going grocery shopping and and you know, yeah wandering actually around doing the various things yeah exactly and it, it gives you a real feel for the kind of the rhythms of the place which you don't get if you're a tourist right um, yeah I yeah, think okay. maybe we you know. Maybe we should start like that, you know, moving for a short time. Yeah. Coming back. And and there are all sorts of like, you know, you can get, if you're off season, mm-hmm. you can get short term lats, oh. which are super cheap. Yeah. Like, okay, we were in Lucca and if you go during the Lucca Comic Festival, mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know if you heard of it, but it's no. it's it's a week at the end of August, and it is it is absolutely insane. Wow. Okay. Right. So, so much so that quite a lot of the shops in Lucca will empty themselves out, sublet their shop space mm-hmm. to people who have stuff, comic book stuff to sell. Wow. For the comic festival, mm-hmm. and you know, for like the week or whatever. And make enough money from the rent that week to pay half the year's rent on the whole place. Wow. Okay. Right. It's insane. Mm. Right. And the apartment that we were in, it's just an ordinary little two-bed apartment in the center of town. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like 600 euros a month wow. in January, February, March. But if we'd gone in August, it would have been about three or 4,000. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. For the week. I mean, yeah. at the wrong week. That, that, that. But I think it was 3,000 euros a week for, like, the peak, which is for the comic book thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, some crazy, like, 1,500, 2,000 a week for, you know, the kind of the peak season. Yeah. If you go off season, super cheap. Yeah. And There's fewer no, tourists. No such thing as off season here in Israel. Everything is expensive <laughs> all the time. <laughs> okay. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure Ireland has the same sort of, So on on peak season, off season or not? Yeah, but right. I, I I generally think that coming from from Israel at the moment, like for the, for the past ten years, everywhere mm-hmm. is cheaper. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same feeling coming from Finland. Oh actually. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like like drinking in the pub, mm-hmm. like going to the going to the pub in Finland. Mm-hmm. It is something like nine or ten euros for a decent pint in a nice pub. Yep, here and too. Here, it, here it's like three pounds a pint. Wow, <laughs> it's like it's less than half the price. I'm like, oh my god! So like, you'd go, you'd go up to, you go up to the bar and you'd like order a round of drinks and you'd get change back from twenty quid. I'm like, what? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> um, so so yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so if if you, I, I don't see why why moving to Ireland for a few months isn't feasible. Yeah, It's, I I don't, I don't either, you know. But the life happens, and you kind of yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, but that's <laughs> I, I would definitely like to do that. You know. Okay. One day. It'll happen. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much indeed for talking with me today. It's been thank lovely you. to meet you. Yeah, you too. It was really fun. I'm going to take you up on that offer to help me with the sword knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't put the handle wrong next time. <laughs> Anytime, no problem. Amazing. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Yale. You can find the episode show notes at guywindsor.net forward slash podcast. And while you're there, you can sign up to my mailing list and I'll send you a free copy of my book, Sword Fighting for Writers, Game Designers and Martial Artists. If books are your thing, let me just remind you that the latest book, The Windsor Method, Principles of Solo Training, can be found at guywindsor.net forward slash solo. I'd like to thank my patrons on Patreon for their kind support of the show. It is vitally important to me to know that there are people out there who really care that I get up in the morning and do this thing. And of course, patrons already have their copy of the new book, so... Patrons, if you're listening to this and you don't have it, please get in touch and I will sort you out. You can join us at patreon.com forward slash the sword guy for all sorts of behind the scenes content and submit your questions for future guests and basically get everything I do early and usually free. So join us there. And next week I'll be talking to historical fencing book collector and fencer Malcolm Fair, who is also the director of the National Fencing Museum in the UK. Uh, it's a very interesting interview. I went to his house many moons ago, well, some three years ago, sort of pre-corona, and spent a weekend photographing the contents of many of his particularly gorgeous books. So you definitely don't want to miss that show. So subscribe to this one wherever you get your podcast from. And while you're there, if you'd like to rate the show or even review it, that would be brilliant. Perhaps the most useful thing you could do, though, 
is tell at least one friend about the show. And if you think you know a particular person who would have enjoyed this episode particularly much, send them a recommendation that they go listen to it. There is absolutely nothing better than word of mouth to spread the word. So thanks for listening and I will see you next week.